Well, welcome to week two of a series uh, we're calling The Wind. And what we're learning about in this series is uh, this phrase, the wind, is from a, a famous uh, interaction that Jesus had with a religious leader when he tried to describe for that religious leader what God's Holy Spirit is like. He used this phrase, the wind. He said, the wind blows, and we don't know where it comes from or where it's going, and so it is with everyone who's born of God's Spirit. And so we're learning uh, together for uh, six weeks, this is week two, what the Holy Spirit is like, who the Holy Spirit is, and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. Now, you may have had some negative experiences. When I even say the word Holy Spirit, you get a, like, a twinge up your spine. You go, oh, no. Um, you may not even know what I'm talking about. Where There's the whole gamut in the room here today with people with regard to the Holy Spirit and who the Holy Spirit is. Let's just get a kind of a feel of, of your background. How many of you uh, were, your background, spiritually, religiously speaking, would be, you would say you, were, you grew up a Baptist? Any, any people raise your hand? A few of you? Yeah, how many of you would say uh, you grew up like a Catholic? Raise your hand. Or a Lutheran? Or Episcopalian? Presbyterian? How many of you grew up, with, we're part of the church in the Nazarene, how many of you grew up as a Nazarene? Yeah, like three of us, okay, great. Uh, how many of you grew up Pentecostal or charismatic? Raise both hands, right? Oh, see, ah, see, there we go, right? Right, how many of you just grew up, you were just an old-fashioned pagan sinner, you don't you have no idea what I'm talking about, right? Like, you may have come from the best place <laughs> with all of those backgrounds. Well, we're trying to figure out together what's normal, what's the Bible's normal when it comes to the Holy Spirit, and so each week we're looking at a passage of Scripture what the Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit so we can understand so I want to invite you to stand with me if you would, and I'll read the passage aloud. This is from the book of Acts in the New Testament. You can follow along on the screen. Very famous scene in the New Testament, the day of Pentecost. Now, when the day of Pentecost came, they, that's uh, the disciples, were all together in one place. And suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues or other languages as the Spirit enabled them. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you so much for standing. Well, in our day, we're kind of in the same position that the early Christians were in Acts 19 uh, when some of the disciples went and they said, hey, when you, when you believed, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And their response was, we did not even know that there was a Holy Spirit. We're kind of in that, uh, in that day again where people don't know who the Holy Spirit is and what the Holy Spirit can do. And so we're, we're unpacking for the next few weeks. And I told you last week, if you were here, if you're going to commit to any series and be here every week, be here every week for this. Because this is something that if you, when you understand who the Holy Spirit is, what the scriptures teach, it's not the weird, crazy stuff. Uh, and if you think it's this thing that uh, is mystical or magical, it's none of that. Y if you understand what the Holy Spirit is, who the Holy Spirit is, and what the Holy Spirit wants to do in your life, you would run to the Holy Spirit and say, give me everything that you've got. And so we're learning to do that. So I, I want to give you a prayer. Uh, I'm just calling it a, the Holy Spirit prayer. I don't have a better name for this. Um, and if you were here in the summer you're, during our prayer series, you, you learned along with the rest of us, that prayer is not about the words you say, it's the attitude and disposition of your heart, but the words that you use sometimes express what's in your heart in a way that maybe you can't quite put into words. And so this is, I'd offer you this prayer, we're structuring the whole series around this prayer, and I'll explain it here in a second, but I'd like for you to, to say it with me, to pray it with me, because I'm going to introduce it to you every week, and it's just really simple, read the words on the screen with me if you would, you ready? Here we go. 
Come, Holy Spirit, all the way down, all the way in, all the way through. One more time. Ready? Come, Holy Spirit, all the way down, all the way in, and all the way through. In other words, this is what you're praying. You're saying, God, I want you to give me everything you've got. Come all the way down. I don't want you to hold anything back. All you got, I want all of it. And then when you're saying, I, I want you all the way in, you're saying, I don't leave any part of my life untouched by your spirit. Don't let, open all the closets, uh, go up on top of the shelves where the dust is, in the corners where there's leaves. I want your Holy Spirit to come all the way into me. And then when you're praying all the way through, you're saying, I want you to make the biggest possible impact you could on other people with my life. Right? So let's just, let's just one more time. Here we go. Ready? Come Holy Spirit all the way down, all the way in, and all the way through. So we're structuring, again, the whole series around this. We're talking, when we're talking about coming all the way down last week and this week, we're introducing you to the Holy Spirit, everything that the Holy Spirit has, everything the Holy Spirit wants to give, what the Bible teaches us about the Holy Spirit. Uh, next week and the week after, we're going to talk about all the way in. When the Holy Spirit is in you, what can you expect? What are the gifts that the Holy Spirit gives to you that enables you to live your life in a different kind of a way? What does the Holy Spirit do in, in, in your life? And then the last two weeks we'll look at what does the Holy Spirit want to do through you to the people around you so that you can be someone who makes a difference? How do you do that? So uh, I would encourage you to be here all, uh, all the weeks of this series. Now to do that, we're using this passage in Acts chapter 2, very famous uh, in the, the start of the church. This is considered the start of the church, this day of Pentecost. Uh, Pentecost was one of three Jewish holidays, three main Jewish holidays. There are seven that are celebrated in the Jewish calendar today. Yom Kippur was yesterday. If some of you have Jewish friends, you would have seen them celebrating that, the Day of Atonement. But there were uh, three main ones, and those three main holidays were, would, would be for like the Jewish people, kind of like July 4th would be for us, uh, the Thanksgiving Christmas season, and Easter. Kind of everything rotates around them. Now, we don't fully understand those holidays. I'm going to attempt to unpack those for you here in just a minute. Uh, but what Jesus did when he came was he used these three main holidays as a picture of what it is that God wants to do in your life. And so I think some light bulbs are going to come on for you as we uh, unpack this here together. But this is what Jesus said about it when he talked about um, fulfilling uh, what happened in the Old Testament. Matthew chapter 5, these are the words of Jesus. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law and the prophets. The law and the prophets is what we know as the Old Testament. I have not come to abolish them, but what? What's the word? To fulfill, to complete, to bring them to completion, to fulfill them. And so uh, if you see, as you see Jesus doing uh, what he does in these three holidays, you're going to see what it is that Jesus wants to do in your life. Now, in addition to Pentecost, um, there were two others. So let me talk to you about the first one. The first one, uh, the big deal, is called Passover. If you know the history of the Jewish people, or you have watched the Ten Commandments with Charlton Heston when it comes on on TV every year, or seen the Prince of Egypt, you know a little bit about this story in Exodus, uh, the book of Exodus in the Old Testament. The Jewish people are enslaved uh, in Egypt, and they are oppressed for 400 years, and God sends Moses as the deliverer to his people in slavery in Egypt, and Moses goes to the Pharaoh, the leader of Egypt, and says, you must let my people go, and he says, no, I won't, and they have this interchange and finally, uh, Moses says, well, if you don't, then these things are going to happen. And these ten plagues come on the people of Egypt. The last of which was the plague of the firstborn son. And Moses said, listen, here's what's going to happen. If you don't do this, all these other terrible things have happened. Uh, the death angel is going to come through and going to take the firstborn of every family. Pharaoh doesn't believe him. He says, go right ahead. 
says, okay. So Moses goes back to his people and says, this is coming, but, but what will happen is if you take the blood of a lamb and you take the blood of that lamb and you smear it on the doorposts of your house, uh, when that angel comes, that angel will pass over you and you will not suffer the fate of the Egyptians. And so uh, that's exactly what happened. And the firstborn died and Pharaoh said, fine, get out of my country. And to remember this, God commands in the Old Testament, he says, I want you to have a, a, a celebration of this every year, to remember when I passed over you, when the judgment didn't come on you, when it didn't happen to you. And so this is how they were to celebrate it. They do this every year at Passover still to this day. At 9 a.m., they kill a lamb. This is what happens at 9 a.m. And then at 3 p.m., they take that lamb and they uh, put that lamb into the oven. And then uh, that sacrifice, that lamb, the blood of that lamb, was a covering, that's an important word, a covering for their sins. They were still under their sins, but God just didn't see them, covered their sins. Now, this may interest you to know, on Good Friday, uh, Jesus offered his life on the cross. Do you know what Jewish holiday was also happening on what we call Good Friday? Do you know what it was? The Passover. And get this, some, some light bulbs are going to come on for some of you. Here's what happens. You know what time Jesus was sacrificed on the cross? You know what time in the morning it was on Friday? 9 a.m. Do you know when Jesus took Jesus' body down from the tomb? 3 p.m. Do you know what Jesus' sacrifice did for all of mankind, you included? Removed, not just covered your sins, removed your sins. So that God passes over you and your sin. That's beautiful. That, you, would, you would be okay saying amen right there, right? That'd be okay. Because that's really, really good news. Now you go, well you're, well, you're making this stuff up. No, no, no. This is how Paul says it. He says, for Christ, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. Christ is the Passover lamb. Now, the Passover is a picture of your salvation, of what God, the links that God went to, to, to procure for you, your salvation. Now, this is, it's a beautiful picture and it stands on its own, and I think the reason it stands on its own is because you and I have a problem. We have the, the idea that God operates on a brownie point system, and that God is making a list, and he's checking it twice, and he's going to find out who's naughty and nice. And if you have enough good things on your list, and there are a few more good things than bad things, then God goes, well, okay, all right, you're in. Uh, but that is not at all how salvation works. And I think the reason God doesn't pour everything that he wants for us, because there are other things that God wants for us, we'll talk about that in a minute, into Passover is he wants us to know that salvation is free. There are plenty of things that God has for you to do, uh, but it isn't your Bible reading, helping people, the goodness that you have. It is the, the free gift of God. This is how the Apostle Paul says it. For it is by grace that you have been saved through faith, and this not from yourself. It is the gift of God, not by, what's the word? works. In other words, not by what I do so that no one can boast. So you don't have to join the church. You don't have to read the Bible. You don't have to pray. You don't have to buy candy for trunk or treat. The trunk or treat thing that's happening, by the way, October 27th, buy candy. Um, you don't have to buy candy for that. You don't have to be in the, in the good graces of, of us to do that. The, your salvation is completely free. It has been 100% uh, paid for, no questions asked. God gives you all of his life. He just asks for your life in return right? He just wants that for you. That would be another good place to say amen, right? You could say that right there. Second, second big holiday is this, is Pentecost. Um, now, if you don't know what that word means, maybe you associate that with Pentecostal. Some of you grew up that way, and you're like, both hands. Uh, 
But some of you go, whoa, I think those are weird people who do really weird things. And you've been weirded out by Pentecostal. You hear that word and something triggers inside of you. I'm going to tell you the terrifying thing that it means. Here's what it means. Penta means five. Costi in the original language means to the tenth power. So be very scared. It means 50. Right? Isn't that terrifying? Ah! Uh, what the devil does is he takes things, good things, and packages them in weird ways so that we reject them. So the day of Pentecost was 50 days, celebrated 50 days after the Passover. And what it signified and celebrated was when the Jewish people were, when the death angel passed over their households and they were taken, they were set free from their slavery and they were taken out into the desert and God on Mount Sinai gave to Moses what we know of as the Ten Commandments, Exodus 20, you can read them. And, and there was all this commotion that happened on the mountain. Uh, it goes kind of like this, a cloud descended with loud noise and fire on the day of Pentecost, the first day of Pentecost. God wrote his tablets, on, his law on tablets of stone. I think we've got a slide that's coming up here. Maybe we do, maybe we don't. I don't know. There we go. Cloud descends with noise and fire. God writes his law on tablets of stone. And while Moses was up on the mountain, the people were down there saying, I think God's forgotten. God forgot us for 400 years, so I don't really think he's come through for us. Uh, Aaron, brothers Moses, they said, Aaron, we want you to take and we're going to give you all this gold, and we want you to make, you some, make us something that we can worship. And they gave their gold, and Aaron made a golden calf, and the people worshipped this thing they had made with their own hands. And Moses comes down and says, what did you guys do? And that day, 3,000 people died because of their idolatry on that first day of Pentecost. But now what happens on this day of Pentecost that Jesus fulfills? Well, what happens? Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit descends with loud sound and fire. And instead of God writing his law on tablets, God writes his law on our hearts. It's an internal thing. And then instead of 3,000 people being killed, if you read a little further in Acts chapter 2, you find out that how many people were added to their number that day? You know how many? 3,000. It's, Pente it's Pentecost all over. Maybe some light bulbs are coming on for you. So Acts records it this way. After Jesus' suffering, he presented himself to them and gave them many convincing proofs that he was alive, alive and he appeared to them over a period of 40 days. And you're like, hey, I thought you said 50. Hang on, I'll show you the 10 days. And he spoke to them about the kingdom of God. And on one occasion while he was eating with them, he gave them a command. He said, don't leave Jerusalem, but wait for the, what's the word? The gift that I have promised that you've heard me speak about. John baptized with water, but in a few days you're going to be, what's, what's it say? Read that phrase. Baptized with the Holy Spirit. Why? Well, here's the reason why. Is that you and I need power in our lives to live successfully on this planet, we looked at it a little bit last week, but Acts 1-8 says it this way, that you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on and that you have a job to do. You do, not me. I have my job. You have yours. You have a job to do to be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, God, in addition to saving you, God gives you a task to do, a purpose in your life to share something bigger than you. And you're going to need power to do that. If you were to paraphrase in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria, it'd be like saying, God's task for you is now to be a witness to the love and the grace and the kindness of God in Portage and in Hobart and in Lake Station and in Valpo and in East Chicago and in Gary and in Michigan City and in St. John and in Crown Point and Indiana and America and to the ends of the earth. Right? God's given us a task to do. And, and what we're going to need to do that task is we're going to need some power. Because when you hear Pentecost, we're not talking about 
Pentecostal, or those, we're not talking about having these services where everyone's running up and down the aisles and shouting and screaming and yelling. I mean, that might happen, but uh, that's, not, that's not where you get goosebumps. We're not talking about that. We're just simply talking about the power you need to make a difference. That's what Pentecost is about. You need that. Uh, the third uh, feast that Jesus fulfilled was called the Feast of Tabernacles, the third of seven feasts. Passover and Pentecost happened in the spring, and then in the fall, at harvest time, was the Feast of Tabernacles. And the Feast of Tabernacles was a remembrance that after the Jewish people were set free, they, they didn't obey God, they didn't do what God asked them to do, and they wandered in the desert, desert in tents. The Hebrew word tent can be translated tabernacle. Uh, they wandered in the desert in temporary huts. So here's how it went. They, they were wandering and living in temporary huts, and they were brought to their final home, and then they celebrate it during the harvest season. Now, some of you are making some connections. You're like, wait a second. They weren't in their temporary home. So how is that being fulfilled? Well, you and I, we're the ones that are in our temporary home, right? We are living on a temporary earth. The Apostle Paul said that we're aliens and we are strangers. This is not our home. This is not our final home. Listen, got some good news and some bad news. America is not heaven. <laughs> Did you know that? It's a great country. It's not heaven. This is not it. When you argue on Facebook about how this is the greatest, well, just pay attention. This is not our final home. We're aliens and we're strangers and we're living temporarily on this earth and we are going to at some point be brought to our final home in heaven. And that there will be a great and final harvest of people. Well, what do you mean, Scott? Well, uh, I don't know if you know this, but from the year 2000 to the year 2017, more people have been converted and become followers of Jesus than previ the previous 2,000 years. This is mean, a massive harvest. Now, we don't feel it in America because, honestly, we're kind of like spiritually... But around the world, I mean, there is a massive conversion happening of people around the world, people coming to Christ, part of this final harvest. This is how Paul says it. He says, For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a loud command, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. Do you know what Jewish people call the Feast of Tabernacles, another name for it? The Feast of Trumpets. And the dead in Christ will rise first. So anyone you've lost that knows the Lord, they'll be the first to rise. And after that, we are still alive, our left will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. There's a picture there that I won't go into detail that, that everyone in that day would have gone, oh, I know what you mean. Uh, and so we will be with the Lord forever. Tabernacles is about the second coming of Christ. Now we're going to do a series in the spring about is this the end times? We're going to talk about Revelation and you won't want to you don't want to miss that. But these are, these are three major holidays because there are three major things that you need to know in your Christian experience, in your journey as a human being on this earth. Number one, that there's a God who loves you and made you and has made a way for your sins to be passed over. And he offered himself on a cross for you so that your sins could be passed over. And number two is that you have the power of the Holy Spirit available to you to live out the purpose and calling of your life, that you have something significant to do, and that there is a hope coming for us that this is not the final destination, there's something even better than this coming. Now, I think we kind of sort of get the first and the last of those things. We kind of understand, okay, Jesus died on the cross, and okay, Jesus is coming again, and there's heaven. What we don't tend to understand is Pentecost and understand uh, exactly what it means for our lives. We're in the position of the, Christi the first Christians who were amazed and perplexed, Acts 2.12 says, and asked one another, what does this mean? And we want to go, what does this mean for my life? 
But let me give you three things that uh, Pentecost, that the Holy Spirit means for your life. And without them, you will have part-time faith. If you were a part-time parent, how would your kids do? Maybe you uh, were in a relationship and uh, it ended because the person was a part-time girlfriend or a part-time wife or a part-time husband. Didn't work, right? The important thing is you can't go part-time. You've got to go full-time. And it's the same thing. If you have part-time faith and, and you don't go full-time with your faith, it's just, a li- just like this little corner of your life that you work on. It's like, I'm, I'm spiritual. You know, I'm not religious. I'm spiritual. So you've got this little corner you work on. But you've got to, without the Holy Spirit, you live a part-time faith. And I want you to have full-time. This is, this is how it works. Here's the first thing the Holy Spirit does. The Holy Spirit empowers me to live righteously. Righteous, that just means to be in the right or to be rightly related to God and to other people. Um, to have the right understanding of myself, the right understanding of the world around me, the right understanding of people. That the Holy Spirit empowers me to live a righteous life. Because here's what, here's what many of us do when we get around faith and spirituality and religion. Is we think, okay, there's a code, a, a code written out there that I have to follow. And so the, you're doing good, and you want to do good, and, but you, it's really an external code that's written some other place. And the reason you keep the external code is either from fear of punishment or a promise of reward. It's not really something internal. You feel obligated. You feel like you have to, like you ought to, like you must. It's really about external motivation. And uh, instead, the Holy Spirit wants to come inside of you and change your motivational structures so that you do things because you want to, not because you have to. Some of you have made this shift. You went from having to to wanting to, and it's a night and day difference. You know exactly what I'm talking about. Some of you are still in the boat. What, what Paul said in Romans, he said, you however, you, ho- you, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, and some of you are like, well, yeah, I am, uh, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. So what God wants to do is give you internal motivation and you, uh, you serve with God because you want to, not because you have to. It's an okay prayer to pray, to say, God, I want to want to. If you're not there yet, pray that prayer. I want to want to, and watch what God does in your life. And so then you will hear, like Isaiah says, whether you turn to the right or the left, your ears will hear a voice behind you saying, this is the way, walk in it, the prophet Isaiah says. I can't tell you the number of times in my life that I've, not an audible voice, but I've got the clear sense as I've walked with God and I've worked to let the Holy Spirit into my life that this is the way that I need to go. I'm like, which direction do I go here, God? Five plus years ago, uh, my family and I were happy as clams in St. Louis, pastoring a church, loved it there, loved the people, loved what God was doing, and I got a phone call out of the blue. Hey, looking for a pastor of a church in Portage, Indiana. I got the most overwhelming sense I've ever gotten in my life that I'm telling you, Scott, you and your family need to go move to Portage, Indiana. You can have that kind of power in your life through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, you may say, well, I want that, okay? Next week, we're going to talk about when the Holy Spirit fills you, what happens in your life? How do you get in, in touch with that? Second thing the Holy Spirit does is the Holy Spirit empowers me to live supernaturally. Jesus wasn't just a great teacher, though he was a a, a phenomenal teacher. And people, when they heard him teach, said he teaches with authority. But what gave him the authority is what he did. He lived a supernatural kind of life. People that were sick when they were on Jesus, they would very often be healed. When people who were under the the trap of evil and addiction, they would be set free. People who were hurt and in pain because of difficulties in their life would find healing for their hurt and their pain. Jesus lived a supernatural kind of life. And Jesus said, listen to his disciples, which is you if you follow Jesus. You'll do greater works 
than these. So I'm not calling you to be weird or abnormal. It's what one of my friends calls, we want to be naturally supernatural. Not freaks, naturally supernatural. (laughs) We want to express that and do everything that Jesus did. My understanding is that there is still a great physician and that the great physician still does things like heal people. I went to the hospital the other day um, because someone was in the hospital and they were dying, quite literally, uh, without getting into the whole story of their life. They were dying. And they said, the doctors have done everything that they can do and they've told me I have days, maybe hours. They're going to try this one other thing, but they've said, listen, we've done everything. It's not going to work with all of your conditions that you've got going on. Not going to work. And the person turned to me as I'm sitting next to them at the bed and said, and I have no one to do my funeral. Would you do my funeral? Yes. I said, but you know what? Let's, let's plan for the worst, but let's pray for the best. And so I said, let's just pray. Let's pray. And we just talked that through. We talked through, you know, a funeral and all that. And we just prayed and said, God, if, if you would, would, could you do a miracle? And that person was supposed to, I was expecting to get a call the next day saying, didn't make it. And instead, I got a message that said, it's working. We, it's like a miracle. <laughs> right? Now, you go, oh, that, you just, oh, that's a coincidence. Okay, I've just found that I see a lot more coincidences happen when I pray things like that. And you can too. This is not something that pastors have. I don't have some mojo, right? Every person who follows Jesus, and ha- unless the Holy Spirit lives in them, can do the things that Jesus did. You can too. You can pray those kinds of things and see those kinds of things happen in your life. Listen, we're not going to be a success as a church if you show up here every week and you drink coffee and you sing some songs and you listen to someone like me talk. That is not success for us as a church. If we had s- 10 times the number of people we had to have 10 services every, that would not be success. You know what would be a success as a church? When you, the person who are following Jesus, are doing everything that Jesus did. Right? This is how, this is how it's recorded in Acts. And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Aren't the problems that you know of people that are sick? People that are hurt by the pains of life, and they don't know how to reconcile with someone else. They don't know how to forgive someone else. They're emotionally damaged by the pain in life. Or there's some kind of evil on them, some kind of oppression or addiction that they can't break free. Isn't that kind of like the human problem? Would you think about it? Isn't that kind of it? And Jesus went and did something about those things. And if you have the power of the Holy Spirit, you can live a supernatural life and make a difference. And we will be a success as a church when we're doing that, when we're seeing people healed and when people that are emotionally troubled finally figure out how to forgive someone else and they learn how to reconcile when things are at odds because friction causes motion and they learn how to get past things, just the natural things that happen in life and not be hurt by them and become a forgiver instead. And when people who are addicted, listen, there's power for your marriage that's in trouble. There's power for your addiction you can't break. There's power for the things that you think, I, this is hopeless. There's power for you through God's Holy Spirit. And uh, the Holy Spirit empowers you to live a supernatural kind of life. This is the third thing, is that the Holy Spirit empowers me to live on a mission, to have purpose in my life, to get up every morning and go, I know what my life's about. I'm not just here going another day, another, another trip around the sun for the next 365 days. I'm getting up, I've got a purpose. I've got something that, to do with my life. God's given me a mission to live out. The mission is the people around me. Uh, listen, a lot of people come and they, they check out our church and, and they, they, what they're looking for is they're looking for a place to just kind of sit and have someone do something for them. And uh, If that's you, 
you'll probably be kind of unhappy here because we have a mission. And the mission is to teach people to love God with all of their hearts, to make God, love of God the central thing in your life. And to teach people to love people, to learn all the things that go along with actually loving another human being and letting them close and trust and forgiveness and, and teaching people that they're to serve the world, literally the world. They're to take, they go, like, the world, I, I'm going to care about the needs of the world. And we have a mission to do that, to feed the hungry and care for the poor and help people who are addicts. And we have a mission to do that. Uh, the, we're the church. We don't exist for us. We exist for the world. That's why we're here. And the Holy Spirit has given us a mission and, and you can be a part of that mission. You're the Holy Spirit. You, you have a life of purpose. Here's how uh, the Apostle Paul says it. Our gospel came to you not simply with words, but also with power and with the, what's the words? The Holy Spirit and with deep conviction. Here's my prayer for us. Oh, God, make us a church with the power of the Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit, all the way down in our church, all the way into our church, all the way through our church. You know what, the only way that's going to happen, you know that prayer is going to be answered? When you pray, <laughs> come Holy Spirit all the way down in me. All the way in me, every part of me, all the way through me. When you do that, 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 that's when we become a church like that. Through the power of the Holy Spirit. Tim wrote a really beautiful song for this series. Uh, he played it last week, and he played it again. Uh, he's going to come and, and play that right now, and, and we're going to have a time to pray because uh, I thought it'd just be really, really important that at the close of each, uh, each um, week in this series, we had a time for you to pray and access the power of the Holy Spirit. We're going to have a prayer team down front. They're going to come down in just a second. And I, I want you to do something with this. I, you may be in the position where you say, you know what, I came in the door with guilt and with shame and I'm not really sure what to do with that. Listen, here's what I know. If you came in the door with guilt and with shame and you are carrying it, that means that God is not. And that means that you have the opportunity right now to find out that God will indeed pass over your sins and pass over your shame and pass over your guilt and give you a new start in your life. And today you could say, I would like to begin that journey. I would like to let Jesus began to lead my life, and I would like to find the free gift of salvation that God offers to mankind. Or you may say, I need, for me, my faith is an external thing, and I'm doing it because I have to, or I'm afraid of punishment. And instead, you would need to find the power of the Holy Spirit to come on the inside of you and to change your motivational structure so that you do it because you want to, because you know that God has the best for you. And that might be what you need to do. You might simply need the hope that comes from knowing that this is not it. There were aliens and strangers in this land of pain and suffering and sickness and darkness and hurt. And you just need the hope planted in your heart that there's more. So I'm going to ask our prayer team, they're going to come right down here. And as Tim sings, goes, come on up guys if you would. As Tim sings, here's what I'd invite you to do. You can, um, I'm going to ask you to close your eyes and bow your head and kind of have your own moment, Okay. You can stay in your seat. You can kneel in your seat. If you want to come pray with um, one of these folks here, you can come and pray. They'll pray with you. And we're just going to spend a little bit of time letting the Holy Spirit minister to us on the inside. And you can do uh, the business with God that you need to do. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to sing, and you can respond. So come, Holy Spirit. 
like a wind, come and blow in our lives. Blow fresh wind into our lives. Bring goodness into our lives. Bring peace into our lives. Blow, blow hope into our hearts, Holy Spirit. Come all the way down. You want everything that you have. And God, come all the way in. Don't leave any spot in us unturned or unaffected by the, the refreshing breeze of your Spirit. And then, God, uh, I pray that you would come all the way through. Oh, God, make a tremendous difference through this church in Northwest Indiana and beyond because you make a tremendous difference in every person sitting in these seats today. Oh, God, do that in us. So come, Holy Spirit. Spirit, oh God, fill me. Come be in me. Blow all through. Be the fire that consumes all I see. Come be in me, blow all through. Let your spirit, oh God, fill me. Spirit, oh God, 
invite you to stand with me if you would. I'm going to pray for you, and then I'm going to ask you to leave as you go. Just kind of have an attitude of uh, spirit and prayer quietly. If you want to come pray with someone, you can still do that. You can sit, kneel, whatever you'd like to do. And I let the Holy Spirit to move in your life and heart today. Let's, let's pray. So God, again, uh, thank you for the gift of your Holy Spirit. The Lord, the giver of life. Thank you. Thanks that you don't give us part of you. You give us all of you. Thanks that you don't want to just touch a little part of our life. You want to touch all of our life. Thanks that you uh, don't forget about us having a purpose and you give us something grand and glorious to be a part of. Your purpose and mission in the world. Loving people. Serving them in your name. So we receive everything that your Holy Spirit has for us. And we pray this in your name, all God's people said, amen. We're sent to, by the Holy Spirit, to love God, love people, and serve the world. If you'd leave an attitude of prayer, thank you.